0: Picture book authors need to be fairly prolific to be published. That's why members of 12 by 12 aim to write one picture book draft a month. Through an online forum, monthly webinars, a private Facebook group, and more, members enjoy the accountability, support, and motivation of a fantastic community of authors and illustrators. Visit 12by12challenge.com slash membership for more information.
1: I'm just excited cool. to get started, and and this is actually the first time Ken and I have talked personally. All of our Maybe. interactions before this have been by email, so you know oh, that's I, I'm so lovely. Yeah, so I'm really excited to kind of hear more of what he has to say and and get to know him a little better through this too. And, and likewise,
2: usually, uh, <laughs> I, if I remember right, uh, when I was um, uh, corresponding with you, things are pretty crazy, like they often mm-hmm. are, but so it's. Mm-hmm. Pretty- sit down and hear everyone's voice.
0: This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 666. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Elima Loomis and Kennard Pack, the author and the illustrator of Ohana Means Family. Poi is an important and traditional food to native Hawaiian Islanders, made from taro, and in this building rhyme story, a family prepares the poi for their Ohana's luau, Many stories have employed the structure of the house that Jack built in order to tell a cumulative story, but the format serves this book especially well, alongside Pack's illustrations to celebrate a food, an island nation, a family, and a tradition. I hope you're able to hold a copy of this book soon so that you too can be transported. Please welcome my guests, Alima Loomis and Kennard Pack. The author and the illustrator of Ohana Means Family.
1: Aloha, my name is Elima Loomis. My pronouns are she, her, and uh, I am a writer.
2: I'm Kennard Pack. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm an illustrator.
0: Elima Kennard. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Kennard, I have been a fan of yours for a very, very long time. Um, And I, um, I, I love to say this when there are illustrators that I can say it to, which is that I know your art by your style, by your voice. And when in this particular book that we're talking about today when Elima's words laid over top of it it was such beautiful music that i was so <laughs> excited to reach out i'm so grateful to you both for saying yes and being able to put time aside to talk to me so first off thank you
1: of course you're welcome thank you so much for having us
0: Elima i'm going to ask you if you don't mind to please introduce our book have you have you done any book talking yet of your books it's one of my favorite things to do in the library giving a little Shh. pitch of the book
1: Sure. I haven't had the chance to do much um, book talking uh, because of the pandemic that we're in, Um, but I would love to introduce it today. Uh, My book is Ohana Means Family, and this is a rhyming picture book that introduces children to poi, which is a very traditional food here in Hawaii where I'm from.
0: I love that you follow the cumulative storytelling structure of like the house that Jack built of these stories that we know from childhood. There's something that feels so familiar when you use a structure like that, but for you to use it in such a way to show connection between a plant and the earth and people in a community and an island. I, I just love that. I thought it was a brilliant stroke of writer's hand to do
1: that. Thank you so much. You know, this is an idea that was percolating with me for a long time. I had wanted to write about poi for a long time because it is such a traditional and and important food here in Hawaii and really struggled to find the right vehicle to tell the story I wanted to tell. Um, in fact, it was in the back of my mind for years before I really uh, found the right way to express it. And when I was reading through some other um, books and was reading The House That Jack Built and, and thinking about that cumulative rhyming structure, everything sort of fell into place. And after years of thinking about it, um, the actual writing part of the, of the process happened very quickly when I found that that style and that form. So thank you so much for um for for speaking about that.
0: It's one of those beautiful forms that this I can take us all back to childhood here. It's one of those yeah. beautiful forms that Bill Martin Jr. would have said is musical because it's, mm-hmm. it's something that it, it it's got a melody to it. And that makes it one, I think really important that you Really land the rhyme and land the meter, but when you do, the the book just sings. Mm, I, thank you we, so much. Of course. Um. I wonder when you found that structure, or, or when that structure resonated with you, how then you go about pacing the the entire story that you want to tell. How do you build to really what starts as uh, a plant in someone's hands back to uh, a meal being shared together how how did that work for you through those those drafts that you were working on
1: well like I, I mentioned once I arrived <clears throat> at that form, the writing flowed um really quickly and naturally um you know as you mentioned it's it's a it's a building rhyme, and the whole structure is Premised around the idea of um, you know taking something small and sort of zooming out and and looking at all the things that go into making it um, and so the um, you know the the content of the story was really led and inspired by that form and um, and also the the rhyme structure you know I'm I'm a writer who sort of freezes and panics at the empty page. And having a form like that to work from really ended up driving me and inspiring me much more. And, um, you know, once you, it's sort of, uh, you know, I I guess I'm a writer who likes to color inside the lines. And and once I have that vessel to fill, um, the the writing itself, you know, flows pretty quickly and naturally. Does that make sense?
0: It does. I love that. I'm giggling because I love that you could almost have just ended that phrase. I'm a writer. (laughs) (laughs) And then all of the other insecurities or particulars or whatever, just sort of, I'm just nodding. I'm nodding over here, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, Kenard, I know that books come from, in an author-illustrator pairing, sometimes they come in sort of magical and mysterious ways, how one uh, artist's voice ends up being matched with an author's. Um, I wonder how you came to be connected with this project.
2: Neil approached uh, me via... uh, Neil Porter. Porter. Yeah, Neil Porter uh, approached me via uh, Kirsten, uh, my my friend and agent. And uh, we both thought uh, that uh, it was just a wonderful opportunity to work with Neil Porter. Uh, When Neil first presented the Lima's Wonderful Manuscript, To us. My first reaction was um, I'm not sure if I could uh, do uh, this wonderful writing justice because so much of my artwork up to um, that point was more, um, it was more very much uh, in the imagery of the East Coast. I think that's the best way to describe it. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't done anything uh, with the ocean or with islands. So I was terrified, much like what you were saying, Lee about um, that empty piece of paper. I didn't know what to do with it, but Neil was very encouraging and uh, he thought it was a good opportunity for me to try something different and he was absolutely right. And I'm very, very, very happy and grateful that um, that we got to make this book.
0: You do such beautiful work. As Lima talked about making a story about something small and zooming out, You do really what I perceive as very thoughtful um, camera work in zooming in and choosing when to pull back and give us a beautiful shot. I'm thinking specifically of um, there's a page that reads, this is the stream of sunlit gold flooding the land that's never been sold, where work the hands so wise and old that reach through the water, clear and cold, into the mud to pick the callow, to make the poi for our Ohana's luau. And that picture is is stunning. I guess even that paired with the the turn of the page where the camera's back even further, and we can see the the shape of of the, um, of the um, skyline and just these reflecting pools of, of, of fields where the poi is growing. It's, it's just, it's, it's, or where the callow is growing, it's, it's beautiful.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. A lot of thought went into that um, balance between a zoom-in, something very close like a, like a bowl of poi or hands. To something very far out like the, the ocean. Uh, that particular image, uh, the Goldstream one, uh, was. I always pick one spread that is to be the voice of the book, and that, that I, ch- I chose that as the particular uh, moment for the book, and everything kind of uh, flowered out of it. That was the first thing I worked on. It hmm. was also important wow. for me um, not to. Uh, Elime, the writing is so evocative and rhythmic. I didn't want. I wanted my write imagery, imagery to accompany it, and not repeat it or, or um, mimic it. I, I I want the I want I wanted the writing to work on its own, and my images to be kind of a not necessarily an echo, but more kind of this. Uh, uh, uh the word I'm thinking of is uh, you know when you listen to Bach the the right hand doing one thing and the yeah. left hand doing another. <laughs> sure I think that's the best way there's a word for it I can't remember <laughs> it would have but... been
0: a different book if you had this is the stream of sunlight gold and you just had an illustration that zoomed in on the stream and then we yeah. move back and then another this is whatever the new line is and then we're gonna zoom in on that instead you're you're offering a different kind of context that that works, it's really fascinating to me to, to know that your illustrations sort of started in the middle.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, and it just kind of flowered out uh, to, towards the end. And, uh, but most importantly, I wanted the, the imagery to, to really musically use that word music before to work with Alima's
1: writing. Can I jump in as the writer here? Because, like a lot of writers, I didn't actually see any of these illustrations until you know, we were very close to the end of the process. <laughs> so, you know, it was a big reveal to me too. And I had no idea what they would look like. And, Wait, you know, first... Before you go mm-hmm. further,
0: walk me through how the yeah. reveal goes in, at least for <laughs> you, is it like you suddenly randomly have an email in your inbox that you have to open? Do you get a phone call ahead of it? Like what,
1: what, what did that, what was that like for you? Yeah. Um, okay. So, so backing up, I, you know, my, most of my career as a writer has been as a journalist and in the world of journalism, you know, it's, you get, uh, immediate satisfaction. You write your story one day and you see it in print the next. And in the world of online media, sometimes you see it in print the same day. And so, um, publishing, especially picture book publishing (laughs) is the polar opposite of that. Um, You know, you you do the writing, you send it off, and it has a long life uh, sort of in limbo before it sees the light of day. And um, I know some writers get impatient with that, but I've always sort of had a a Zen attitude about it where I, you know, I send it off and and basically my work as a writer is done and I, I almost forget about it for a couple of years. And as I recall with this book, that that turnaround was, I think, even longer. Maybe that was because of some changes, you know, on the publishing side of things. Okay. Um, so it was a good several years um, between the time when the book sold and I, I actually saw um, the illustrations. And, um, you know, during that time, like I said, I, I do kind of put it out of my mind and forget about it. So when one day those illustrations come as a surprise in my inbox, like you mentioned, um, I had no idea what to expect. Um, I didn't have a vision in my mind for what it would look like. I was very focused on the writing and the words. And um, like I I mentioned, I I didn't know Kennard at all and didn't know what kind of approach he would bring to it. So the first thing I noticed was that he had clearly done an enormous amount of thoughtful research Mm. around authenticity um, and, you know, really captured in an artistic way uh, what... Um, these kalo farms and um, loi, which are the submerged patties, look like in real life, what the kalo itself looks like, and, you know, what the experience would be like um, picking and eating kalo. So I was really appreciative of that. I, I was also really appreciative of um, the multicultural um, faces that he brought to the book, you know, that, that really does reflect Hawaii, which is a multicultural place of people. of You know, even though this is a traditional Hawaiian food, you know, this is something that is enjoyed by all different kinds of people who live here. So I love that he brought that to the book. Um, but then getting more towards the artistic and musical side, as, as you were talking about, Kennard. Um, one of the first things I, I noticed after that was how beautifully the illustrations mirrored um My vision as a writer and that as a writer, I really had a strong feeling of, like I mentioned earlier, zooming out from this tiny um, quorum of the plant into all of the nature and people and elements that that go into making it and bringing it to our tables. And I, I, know, I loved how his illustrations did start out really tightly focused on the quorum and the plant, and then zooming farther and farther out. And when I saw how he was doing that, then I really thought, okay, yeah, you know, we're on this, we're literally on the same page here. We're very much in <laughs> sync with our, with our vision for the book.
0: That's Thank so you. beautiful. Kennard, I, I, there's this motif I see running through, and it might be something that uh, again, I'm just experiencing as this reader, <clears throat> but the images that you have of holding the kalo in in hands, um, I feel like there's so much in here, to me, that focuses on hands to the degree that the close up of the leaves that are these like wonderful like heart shaped leaves, the the shape of these. Um, of the patties, the uh, the island itself, when you pull back, everything feels like it can be held in your hand. And I I don't know if that was a subconscious thing or not, but just the, the way that, again, your voice was expressing itself in reaction to Elima's manuscript, I really think is beautiful. And the way you go between these brilliant greens which is what comes to mind when I think of Hawaii. I've never been, but I mean, as a person that is now in the East coast, like facing the winter (laughs) when everything is dying, I think that we often think about our minds wander to, to these tropical paradises, to these places of green, because really the winter at times can be quite oppressive. And, for you to have both these greens flowing, but also the beautiful orange and brown tones of the mud and of the the setting sun. It's 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 something that um that that uh I, I really watch that dance between the greens and the oranges throughout this book. And I appreciate how I think controlled I might say your palette was in this that we really are to focus on the green and the muds and the oranges. And that, that, that did something for me emotionally.
2: Yeah. The color palette came from, Neil. it initially started with Neil Porter. Uh, when we first talked about the art for meets family, a Gauguin came up. And hmm. um, in particular, the, uh, the palette, the, um, dusky oranges dark purples and um, and a surprising amount of like soft uh, cool grays and we talked about avoiding tropes um, and I immediately knew I wasn't gonna do something that you'd see I don't know on I guess a towel or uh, something you see on the on a cable TV show. so these mm. are the things we talked about and the the palette emerged it emerged from i uh, be experimenting with uh, Gauguin's uh, palette i originally we were gonna try to i was gonna i did uh, gouache studies I originally wanted to do it in gouache uh, but uh, because of a mixture of just uh, me not being experienced enough with gouache and secondly it was just looking way too rough I I wanted a nuance that I wasn't getting with the gouache the 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 colors uh with careful control uh came I I think it was somewhere early on uh it it, um it what's the word it kind of effervesced it's it's just kind of a kind of came out of the water for me Hmm. and uh, that (laughs) worked beautifully that was that was um a charm uh, that that was something I was really happy about that the design of the work was it that was a little more kind of like uh, the, the, the workers in this book I had to kind of figure that out there was a lot more tinkering with that but the colors you're talking about the, the warms and, and the greens uh, that was all intentional uh, going back to the hands it's funny uh, you bring that up because um, someone else mentioned that and I didn't realize that uh, I had put uh, that kind of intention to the hands. So that's, um, that was a surprise. That was not intentional. <laughs>
0: that's cool. Those happy yeah. accidents. That's neat.
2: Yes. Yeah. But, uh, hands, you know, when you think of hands, uh, you think of, especially when it comes to work and family, you think of giving, think of, um, hardship and effort. You think of, um, holding hands, uh, and, and camaraderie and family. I, I think, um, if, this is something that came out subconsciously. It's it's from a good place, and I'm happy that it's in the book.
1: Mm. It's a wonderful theme for the book because hands play such an important role in the, the process that's being depicted. Mm-hmm. You know, not only in the planting and harvesting of the kalo, but also the you know the making of the poi. It's poi is um, is a food that's that's pounded by hand. Uh, with the steamed corm of the of the plant, and poi is also traditionally eaten by hand here in Hawaii. So I loved that that was uh, even if it was uh, subconscious was a uh, was a theme throughout the book.
0: <laughs> I think there was something going on in your manuscript, Alima, that that was just forming a whole bunch of cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we were definitely in sync. <laughs>
0: I like that. There um, are great moments in this book that just feel like I don't know like family portraits or something I'm thinking of that wonderful end spread where the sun is setting and the waters behind uh this community with tables pushed together that was my one of my favorite details is the tables pushed together while everyone is around um and it it to resonate with the title as well it just feels like This is a book welcoming us in for as much as I was aware that I haven't been to Hawaii and I have really just an informed sense of what people have told me or what pictures I've seen or fighting against what the media has shown me um, or stereotyped or made it out to be in that way. But um, to sit with what feels like a really quiet book, but one that also feels communal as sharing a meal is, but in this case, as, as preparing a meal and being in community itself is, it, it just, it, it really is something that, Alima, for all the time you spent with this book, I am glad that it was, that it was this format that reached you and moved you forward and brought it to, to where it is today.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah. And um, jumping off what you said, um, I love that earlier in our conversation, you talked about connection, um, because that's something that I was thinking about a lot as I was writing this, you know, not just about poi and this particular food, but it really made me think about how, you know, food, no matter what culture you're in, food is something that is such a powerful connection between us. And so I'm hoping that you know, people who are reading this, it gives them a chance to think about that, you know, whether they're eating this particular food or not, just to think about how the food they're eating connects them with, you know, the other people around the table with them, but also everybody and everything that went into bringing it to their table.
0: Yeah. Thank you for, for bringing it to us. I um, I have such excitement. For what stories you'll share with us next, maybe ones that are still they've been sitting for a couple of years <laughs> and <they'll be> <laughs> <to us. laughs> I love that you, the your ability to let it go and let the story you the know, you said the book sold and you just let it go. you just sort of forgot yeah. about it um is is <laughs> it's just such a wonderful image, and immediately I thought. I wonder what other things she's let go. I wonder what else is coming. <laughs> but I'm grateful that this has come. And I'm very, truly grateful that, Kennard, you were, you were where you were in the projects that you are often involved with and the just the stuff you have going on in your life that, that the timing matched up because you two made a really beautiful book together.
1: Thank hmm. you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: Well, uh, listen, the door is open. You both are welcome together or separately. I don't know what's in store, but you are both welcome back any time at all. But for now, I want to close our time together by giving you a chance to speak directly to your readers, which I know um, are a very special group of children that are always on your mind. So I will ask it this way. Elima, I'll start with you that I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you?
1: I would just like to send them a message of aloha from here in Hawaii. Um, Aloha is a word that means hello and greeting, but it is also a word that means love and I love you. So um, aloha and love from Hawaii.
0: Thank you. And Kennard, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message I can bring to them from you?
2: Sure thing. Kids, talk to your mom, dad, auntie, uncle, grandma, grandpa. And ask what it was like when they were kids. The foods they ate, the stories they heard, and the things they got to do.
3: Hi, I'm Sita Singh, and I'm thrilled to tell listeners of the Children's Book Podcast that my debut picture book, Birds of a Feather, illustrated by Stephanie pfizer Coleman, is coming out with Philomel Books on March 2nd, 2021. The book is about a colorless peacock who learns to love himself in a jungle full of color. It is a story about finding strength in things that make us different and beauty in all its forms. To learn more about Birds of a Feather please visit my website at www.singhsita.com. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 650 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Paddington Bear Care of the Free Music Archive. Want to help out the show? Become a patron at patreon.com backslash and your support and contributions will directly support and impact my work here. And always, writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing. A very good thing indeed.